Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Philosopher is Stone podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Strauss, and I'm joined yet again by my co-host, Mr. Sam L. Laboon. Sam, thank you for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very glad to be here. It's an honor. It's an honor. An honor. An honor, yes, uh, to be on this uh, podcast. Well, let me tell you, I'm the one who is honored. Um, I'm tired, man. I'm tired today. I don't know uh, what to do with myself. Spent most of the day trying to get this computer to work that I bought from a guy on a Facebook marketplace, and turns out that it was missing like a bunch of components that I need, and now I uh, had to learn a bunch of shit about computers that I had no desire to learn, and uh, plan on immediately forgetting as soon as I can get this thing to actually function correctly um you bought the classic car with no parts yeah i mean i feel like it's got good it's got good bones it's just it was i i, I didn't know what the right question it is essentially like someone like that doesn't know anything about cars buying a car and then getting it home and realizing it has all these issues but Did they tell you there weren't any parts they probably told me it was probably in the description. I just didn't understand the jibber jabber. Uh, I just assumed it was going to be, you know, something I could take home and turn on, but it was super cheap. So maybe that's why. Anyways, <laughs> end of the day, I had to run around. I bought some new components. I was given some components. I was loaned some components. Um, but uh, I think it's going to end up still being cheaper, like a decent bang for my bucket. I, I have no idea. I, you know what? I just I fucking hate computers. That's what I realized today. Um, but, you know, can't live without them, can't live with them. Right? That's the old saying. Computers are like women. Um, I, I don't really I don't want to wade into that whole comparison. I feel like that's a minefield. All right. Um. But other than that, you know, just just, uh, just thriving, thriving in my unemployed lifestyle, still keeping fairly busy, actually. Um, but yeah, today was just one of those days where uh, I just sat on the couch and like, after I failed at this computer thing, I uh, just started clicking YouTube videos and watching about 10 seconds of each one, then clicking another one. And then like an hour went by and I'm like, Oh, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I almost went for a run. I was so bored. Almost. Wow. Thank God. I stopped myself. Um, how, and you, on the other hand, you're working, uh, you're working, you're working the long hours. You're working lawyer level hours, right? No, 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 no. Just sometimes I have to do overtime. Most of the time it's like a nine to five, gig but then every now and then there will be some big thing that'll happen and i'll have to do a lot of overtime but normally it's pretty pretty reasonable hours yeah. and are you still doing any schooling any any sort of studying any any of that is that happening still in your life no no more school for me i'm done i'm done with that oh, look, at look at you go you certified that's kind of like school i'll do that maybe in the summer it is. How's the weather over there? Today we had a beautiful day. The, the sun is out. Made me feel like maybe humanity will survive to see the, to see the spring flowers bloom. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's March, so it was like 15 degrees yesterday, and then today it's like snowing. So yeah, right. The worst month, March and April. Hate them. I worst mean, months. take them off the fucking calendar. Okay, I, I would I would argue February is uh, easily the worst month. Black History yeah. Month is the worst month. Cool well, down. if you phrase it like that, it's actually my favorite <laughs> month. So thanks for pointing that out for me. Um, love it. Man, that's disrespectful to give them that month. Not only is it the shortest, it's the shittiest. They've been saying that for a while. Yeah, but it's like you all—you got one, not even a stat holiday, Valentine's Day, which pisses off more people than it actually. People are like, like who's? Does anyone actually get excited for Valentine's Day? Like, is that ever on someone's like, oh my god, I can't wait for Valentine's Day? I think both, no matter if you're single or in a relationship, everyone looks at that day and is like, fuck, I got to figure something out for Valentine's Day. Um, and if you're single, you're just reminded that you, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, out, you're, out, you're, out, you're out there on your own. You know, there's no one in your corner. Um, <laughs> absolutely no one, not even your own family loves you. That's what people, nah. it's just a bad month with a bad holiday. And uh Yeah. Black people deserve better. <laughs> yeah. I look at Valentine's like a little, like a, don't, don't put too, I try not to put too big of an expectation yeah. on it. Just a, a day to have like a nice meal. Well, yeah. Present, and it all depends present. on who you're with, right? If you have a reasonable, rational yeah. partner, which I think both of us do, um, they're not going to expect, you know, fucking rose petals on the ground when they get home from work that day right it's just no and who wants the rose petals on the ground that's a major slipping hazard anyway yeah you know you're with a good lady if she walks in sees rose petals on the ground and says are you out of your goddamn mind i I could have i could have fucking (laughs) slipped and cracked my head open here you piece of shit Mm -hmm. that would be a tragedy yeah um (laughs) over A romantic tragedy. The uh, yeah, what was I saying? February, worst part, yeah. worst month of the year. We're through that. March is not much better, but I, I, April to me is it's like it's it's the new hope. You know, that's when when the snow's gone, it's starting to get green. Yeah, it's a lot of weather, a lot of rain, a lot of a lot of a lot of chilly mornings but you still get those moments of holy fuck we're we're get, we're out of winter you know that feeling where like the sun's on your face you're wearing a t-shirt outside for the first time that year and then you just you you have hope you have hope that things are going to be good that there's still good in this world frodo um yeah maybe sometimes but april i don't i don't trust the weather until may like here, here's what i think i think i think people think that summer starts sooner than it does they think summer is going to start in april or may it doesn't but then they also think summer will end sooner than it does like they think summer ends on august 31st which it does not summer goes later it goes into september it goes into october sometimes true that i think i think we need to recalibrate our expectations yeah yeah we all need to recalibrate and i agree with you there's like there's some days in september where i'm like it's why are there leaves falling on my calendar picture like it is straight up summer here still yeah exactly exactly but you know global warming might be throwing things off the uh, traditional seasons maybe 
because uh, I remember things being a lot more standard back when I was a kid as far as when the seasons turned and and how long they lasted. Now it seems like things can happen at any point, <laughs> at any point in the year. I don't know. Maybe that's just me remembering or misremembering. I think you're remembering what you want to remember. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. You know what? I don't care. All I know was May. May is going to be a good month for me this year. Put uh, all your money on May. Just bank everything on May. Well, I got – well, May is a busy busy time of year for my family, and it's going to be even busier. We've got my dad's birthday, my sister's birthday, my grandma's birthday, and Holy I shit. will be getting married in May this year. Wow. So. Lots of exciting stuff. I mean, I got I got a lot of stuff to look forward to this year. It's just hope the world can stabilize long enough for me to experience it. And uh, I got plans. Comedy. The gigs are running. They're rolling in. The gigs are rolling in. I get hired a lot. Gigs for someone can roll on. Sorry. I'm getting a lot of contact. People wanting to book me. I, I have very, very low effort when it comes to like trying to procure comedy work. But uh, I luckily uh, in the Okanagan, there's only so many comics to choose from and there's a lot of demand for it. So everybody gets a little piece of the cake. I did uh, two shows in Vernon sold out last weekend. And oh, sorry. That, sorry. Con- congrats on the, on the Vernon. I didn't need a congrats. I wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted you to ask me to elaborate so I didn't feel like I was screaming. Oh, oh, okay. uh, tell me more. Uh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Early show was great. Late show was a slog. And that's how it was at Apex a couple weekends ago, too, which is weird. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. people aren't used to being out that late still because they used to have to be home by nine back when... Well, there was no reason to stay out that late back then uh, for the last yeah. few years. So maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. The whole two shows in a night thing, like I find I, I've, I've never done two shows because I feel like all the magic is gone after one. I don't I don't know if I can summon it again right away. <laughs> well, Just that was the first time I think I did. I did two 40 minute sets back to back. And uh yeah, I was already super tired that day. So, like, leading up to the second show, I was like, oh, I really hope they're just, like... Because if they're, it's a really good crowd, the magic's back right away, right? But mm-hmm. it's been a... Blame like, the crowd. Yeah. Well, it has a factor, does it not? <laughs> does it fucking not? It's part of the don't, equation, that's for don't sure. Ask, don't act like <laughs> crowds are all the same and it's all up to you. Like, it, is, it is part of the equation. It's first true. show, host goes up immediately. The whole crowd's laughing at setups. Every punchline's hitting. The openers are all getting laughs at their where they want them. Uh, and then the second show, immediately, you can tell the host is like, oh, God, like I'm going to have to really earn this or work <laughs> these people up. And, uh, yeah, it's weird. It, it, it seems to be, well, lately anyways, that the older audiences are a lot more fun to perform for and then you get a bunch of like stone drunk mid-20 people for the late show and they just seem a lot harder to entertain is what i felt but who knows who knows are you gonna get back on the horse here soon or what did a show yesterday nice is that the first time in a while or what first time since like december 29th i think Holy fuck, how did it feel? 
It was good to be back. It was very good to be back. Did some new did some new jokes about the current state of the world that uh, went over pretty well that I will not repeat here. Nice. Um, get there's, there's so many great uh, open mics in Toronto. It's awesome. Yeah, that's nice yeah, to hear. Fantastic. Where, so that was open mic night. How many comics sign up? Uh, they were like 35. Holy fuck. That's like, <laughs> that's like our open mic here. Yeah. I wasn't at the open mic last week, but they said that we had 35 comics or 30 something comics. Maybe it was 30, 30 comics sign up and none of them could get, none of them could even sit in the room because it was sold out, sold out. It was a free show. For but the was, open mic. Wow. The open mic was packed to the gills without any comics in the audience. All the comics had to wow. hang out outside, which is like pretty unheard of for an open mic night. But it's the post post pandemic pop. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. This also, my city is just getting bigger by the day. Like it's insane. Your city, okay, all right. So then. it's the largest. It's, it's the <laughs> fastest growing city in Canada. Kelowna. Yeah, I thought it was Squamish. No, well, maybe. Let me, let me do a little Google here. I'm if there was a city with one person in it, and then another person moved there, it would it would have grown by a hundred percent. So, it oh, really do you depends. think that's the metric they go by? Yep. I don't think so. Let's see. Fastest growing city in Canada. Boom. What do we got here? Oh, fuck. Topping the list of the fastest growing municipality. Municipata- oh, fuck. I can't even say that word. Municipalities. Because East Gwillimbury. See, it's a fucking podunk town with three people in it. Another guy moved there. Boom. 25% growth. Okay, but that's not what people mean. Okay, here it is. Four of the five fastest growing census metropoli- metro- <laughs> metropolitan areas in Canada. Kelowna was the number one. So suck my D. Every city that's not Kelowna as far as growing. Anyways, my point is, is that a lot of more people are moving here, and maybe that's going to translate to uh, thicker, thicker audiences. Fat, fat people in the crowd. Well, <laughs> you know, I prefer like just jamming in a bunch of skinny people, but <laughs> fat people can still only laugh, laugh as one voice. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Real. let's get into the topic for today. All right. Well, I think people probably saw this one coming, but we're going to be talking about the philosophy of war. Didn't because we already talk about that a little bit? No, we talked about like the uh, the situation. We talked about like the actual situation, but we didn't talk about the philosophy of war. Okay. Yeah, Hit so me, this, man. This a, yeah. War, what is it good for? Is that what this title of this episode is going to be? And is it true that it's good for absolutely nothing? Uh, the pacifists would say it's good for absolutely nothing. Definitely. Yeah. Well, so are pacifists. So of course they'd say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll tell that to Mahatma Gandhi the next time I see him. Jordan Strauss says you're good for absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be like, I respect Jordan's opinion. He's a smart man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Philosophy of war. war? Yes. There's, there's, Basically, two main topics in philosophy of war, and that's just war theory, as in justice, like justified, not like it's just war. It's like just war theory. Justice. Saw the new Batman on the weekend. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. He is the shadows. 
Let me let me guess. Batman uh, wins at the end. I don't need. Ah, uh, see, I don't even need to see it. He figures out the riddle. I don't even. No need to one see wins it. at the end. Happens. No one wins at the end because, just like war, there are no winners. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. What what's that thing about war? Anyway, yeah, we're talking about it. Um, just war theory and pacifism. Those are like the main two topics in philosophy of war. Right. Just war theory has been pretty big in like the uh, 20th and 21st centuries, obviously, because of all the shit that went down. But it's like, it's a very different kind of just war theory. Like they didn't really have this kind of theory back in like the Crusades. Because because just war theory in the Crusades was based on God's will. Right. They're got the people on this side say God wants them to have that land, and then people on the other side says God said we want to, we should have that land, and then they go to war, and then, and then that's it, right? Yeah, to them the the will of God was the justification for war, right? Because that's always been an important thing in war is uh, unless you're just like driven by conquest as like an intrinsically good thing in and of itself. Most people who fight wars. They want to have some sort of justification for it. Now, did Genghis Khan really have a justification for it? Or I think he might have just been like, fuck it. We can take it. Let's take it. Yeah, I think that was more of his attitude. Just conquer it for the sake of conquering like a like a warrior culture. Nietzschean, Nietzschean ambition, that sort of thing. I'm watching uh, that that TV show alone again. Season five, I think four. And they're in Mongolia. Holy fuck, that place is like rough as far as like <laughs> I can't imagine growing up in that wilderness. Yeah. You gotta have a herd. Yeah. It's just like herd well, where these people are anyways, there's almost like no it's so open. Like there's not a lot of like trees. It's just like rivers and fields with like scatterings of like shrubbery. Just so yeah. exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Anyway, yeah, Genghis Khan would not give a shit about just war theory at all. Um, I think he I think was of the ill. Like, if you can conquer them, then it was justified because you were stronger. Right. Like that that Uber, it's the Ubermensch thing again. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, but this, this theory of just war, there's two things that are the most important, and that's necessity and proportionality. If you're presented with some sort of, if you like, if you follow the, the Clausewitzian maxim that war is policy by other means and then the objective that you want to accomplish is war necessary to accomplish that objective and will the war be is war a proportional means to achieve that objective right so it's not like well the current situation with ukraine uh doesn't quite match those uh that from putin's perspective is that no, not really um uh, but we, we can go through it like there's a there's a guy named waltzer he sort of wrote the book on just war theory and he, he breaks it down into two parts there's the justice about starting the war which in latin is called just ad bella and then there's justice within the war just in bello so you can even kind of decipher the latin there right yeah. Bello means war in Latin. That's why Bellator, Bella. Bellator means gladiator in Latin, I think. 
Um, anyway, so the first part of the, the just ad bellum is the just cause. Does the war have a justified cause? And there's two, two like, mod- like mostly accepted kinds of cause that could be just, and that's national defense and humanitarian intervention. So, so everyone, everyone loves to try and justify their war with these two things. It's to defend it's our own nation, and it's a humanitarian intervention. Right. Yeah. Just like they did in the Middle East, where it was the the weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. right? To defend ourselves from that, and also these, uh, you know, these these Middle Eastern folk need Jesus, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, well, yeah, like, I think it was, like, yeah, national defense and that supposedly Saddam Hussein was making weapons of mass destruction. And then also humanitarian intervention because he was known to have, like, gassed his own people. And, you know, he was, like, a dictator who killed lots of people. Yeah, I remember Saddam. Yeah. One of, one of the most <laughs> famous hanging videos, I think, out there. Oh, yeah. I think I watched that. I watched the Gaddafi one. That was that was worse than being hanged. I think certainly a lot less dignified. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. I think that's what Putin is afraid of. <laughs> yeah, well, I think going that, out like Gaddafi, dude. Yeah, I'd rather go out like Saddam than Gaddafi. That's for goddamn sure. Oh yeah, quick quick hanging in a courtroom. You know, he went through a trial and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you get not to say your piece. not just getting fucking butt. like <laughs> completely surrounded by all your enemies and violated every i i would have uh hated to actually see his his corpse after they were done with him oh, man yeah uh yeah lovely image lovely image so national defense this is considered like a just cause for war and uh or like defending your nation is considered like a just justified reason to go to war again, only if it's necessary and proportional. So if your nation is threatened by your neighboring country, like their most popular musician is getting more popular in your country and you don't like their music. And so to defend the, the culture and traditions of your country, you decide to invade their country to kill their most popular musician, that would not be necessary or proportionate. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I see what you mean. Um, imagine if music was held to such a such a high regard that people would go to <laughs> war for it. Are you allowed to go to war for love, such as Troy? Ah. You know, of Troy. If is there a babe out there so babing that it's worth <laughs> launching nukes for? yeah the face that launched a thousand ships how do you like i don't know how the story goes but how do you fucking tell your men that that's why you're going to war <laughs> well, it's, girlfriend, man. <laughs> well they sell it again like they sell it like it's i think it, you could sell it as like a kind of national defense in that the honor of our people has been so grossly violated that our only recourse to save our honor as a people and as a nation is, is to go to war. Going to war for an intangible. That's, that's just great. And then it's also humanitarian intervention. Like their prince kidnapped 
the king's wife and is doing terrible things to her. So we need to intervene to uh, to save her. Right. Yeah. I, didn't she go willingly? I'm just going from the movie at this point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. She, I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah. So she's a trifling hoe. That's why you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. That's where that saying came from, right? It's Troy. Homer, yeah. Homer. Yeah. I think Agamemnon says that at the end. He's like, can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Yeah. Yeah. Then he crip walks in his his sandals. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, just war. Justify. I mean, proportional. Yeah. The proportional part is kind of up for debate, I would say, right? Yeah, again, it, it depends, like, how, uh, because that's the thing with war is, this is a great quote from uh, Bertrand Russell, but he says, very few wars are worth fighting, and the evils of war are almost always greater than they seem to excited populations at the moment when war breaks out. Could you could, could you say that one more time, please? Very few wars are worth fighting, and the evils of war are almost always greater than they seem to excited populations at the moment when war breaks out. Right. So, so people he's talking are more about willing like, to, to commit. Yeah, so he's violence. talking about <laughs> he's talking about like uh, around World War One when people when were people very excited were to go to war, and it was like a big party. Yeah, well, they sold it like that, right? They didn't have a bunch of images coming back of like burnt out bodies and stuff. They didn't have, you know, Reddit wasn't a thing. And they sold it as like a vacation to young people, right? See Europe, fight the Krauts, Uh, you know, come back a hero. Um, Yeah, it was uh, nationalism. It was the war is is justified because it will give our nation a chance to get more. And be, be bigger and better and better. Yeah, and if you look at the posters, it's like they're all in like you know, it looks like they're going on va- like a, a tour of Europe, right? They're going to see the sights, yeah. they're going to see cities they never thought they'd ever see with their own eyes, but they ended up sitting in a muddy trench the entire time, getting fucking trench foot. They invented mm-hmm. a new type of foot. It was so bad over there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so, war is yeah. really bad. So. War as a response has to be proportional to um, what the aim is that you're trying to achieve. So that's why like World War II is like classic example of a war where the war was proportional to what was happening, which was, you know, immense humanitarian crisis and immense threat to national defense of many countries. Right. A huge war was a proportional response to what was happening. France for it in, eh? That's a, yeah. a whole rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first, so that's the first one, the just cause. Then the second one that um, Walter thinks is important, the second principle of the just war, is that the war has to be waged by a legitimate authority, and this is like a legal authority almost. But basically, like people like Walter think that the only people who are allowed to or the only entities that are allowed to wage wars are states, sovereign states. It's so funny that there's like, you're not allowed to wage war. It's like, it's fucking war. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I always thought the rules of war and like, you know, that that weapon's banned. You're you're not allowed to use that weapon. It's like, this is fucking war. It's war, right? 
Yeah, it's the rules of war aren't are there to give other countries a way to, I guess you could say like sanction a country that breaks those rules. So right, it's like, uh, like the Russia has been accused recently of using cluster bombs, right? Which is indiscriminate uh, killing of an area, essentially. Yeah. So if if you if you use those, then you're sort of you're violating one of the rules of war, and this gives all the other countries reason to uh, to sanction you, not trust you. Right. So, say you're you're watching two men duke it out. It's a street fight, right? They're both mm-hmm. using fists. They're going at each other, and the fight's going. They're both throwing elbows, getting some good hits, until one guy gets the advantage of another guy, and then when they go, they're on the ground, and then the one guy just fucking starts crushing the other guy's nuts as hard as he can in his hand. The chances of the bystanders not jumping in to stop that at that point are, right? Even even people that don't know the two people might jump in at that point because they know <laughs> that, that ain't that's just it's not, it's not cool, dude. Right, exactly. Cluster bombs are the equivalent of squeezing a ball sack, right? Yeah, could be. And war isn't. uh, Nobody wants wars. Tend to be tend to be worse than they are. So they put these rules in to try and make it less bad than it already is. Right, which is hard to do. Um, The third one is the right intention. So this is when you enter a war under the under having like a just cause that really has to be the goal of the war is to achieve that just cause rather than using the just cause as a pretext to achieve some other, you know, not, not acceptable end or some wrongful objective. So that seems to be like the, like another classic thing, like maybe in in Iraq and then in Ukraine, like they come up with a just cause, but the actual aim of the war isn't to, isn't to get that cause. Right. Because Putin said some shit about denazifying Ukraine or something about that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he made it up as this guy's where there's Nazis in Ukraine. So that would suggest, oh, no, they're going to kill all the Jews in their country. So that's a humanitarian reason to go in. And then there's also a national defense reason, which is that um, he had, you know, supposedly recognized the sovereignty of these you know, you know, contest so-called contested contest contest territories, territories on the eastern, on the eastern border. border. So basically, you make up uh, a pretext. Yeah, national defense. It's humanitarian, but the real goal is just to expand your own territory. So, in that case, they don't have the right intention. So, again, fails to be justified. Then there's the whole tactic of using false flags, right? That's yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. thing. Yeah, which yeah. is like. I don't even know how what the equivalent like they're essentially you 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 attack someone who is supposed to be not attacked and then blame someone else for it and then go right you you attack yourself and blame the other people or your own allies or or a neutral country right like didn't mm-hmm. didn't uh, wasn't Russia gonna like try and like set off some bombs in Ukraine and claim it was some sort of terrorist act. I don't know. I don't well, they were caught. Russia, Russia was caught doing a false flag. Russian special special forces were caught planting explosives in an apartment building in a Russian city that they were then going to blame on Chechen terrorists. 
Right. I read about that. And then like one of the explosives didn't go off and that's kind of how they caught it. Yeah, I believe so. Um, so the, the, yeah, so right intention is really important. That's why again, like world war two is like usually considered a just war because the allies had the right intentions when they went into the war. The intention wasn't to like profit or something or carve up Germany for themselves. Right. Then, like other wars, uh, Iraq, maybe they didn't have the right intention. Maybe, like, that one seems like they didn't really have the right intention because that one felt like made up. Yeah, it kind of felt like 9 11 happened and they used that to justify going and capturing uh, a bunch of territories that had oil over there. Like, they're like, oh, we finally have a good excuse to go over there. Yeah, I think they basically saw Saddam as like. A Putin like dictator who they probably thought at some point was going to invade Kuwait again or just be like a nuisance to them. And so they had a great pretext to go in and pluck that thorn out. But then number four comes in reasonable prospects of success. The war is sufficiently likely to achieve its aims. And this one is tough because war is very unpredictable. Look what's happening in Ukraine right now. Anyone before this happens would have said, ah, this is like Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. She's going to blow her out of the water. This is, this is not even a contest. This isn't fair. Stop it. Please stop it before it starts. This is uh, Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No one expected this. It turned out to be more like a, uh, what's another UFC upset we can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> TJ Dillashaw versus, uh, what's his name? Barrow oh, yeah. back in the day, remember? Cody yeah. Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz. Right. Uh, sure. The point <laughs> is, no one expected this to, this to be a, uh, well, no one expected Russia to be so shitty at war, I guess. No, people, like, people really thought, like, I, I didn't expect this at all. Um, I don't think Putin expected it. If he did, no. he's... He's playing some very strange game, but uh, I don't makes, think anyone. I don't think he has some sort of like at at first. It could have been feasible that like you know, he was kind of faking them out by not crushing them as easily. But now what are we thirteen days in? If he had some master plan that required him to sacrifice a huge amount of infantry, uh, he should have pulled it off. He should have. Yeah pulled it off by now it's like me when i play civilization and i get bored so i start a war with like a name with like the aztecs next door to me and just get just destroyed <laughs> like, i've never played that, that. <laughs> yeah so for the war to be justified now this is a weird thing right because they're saying for the war to be justified you have to have a reasonable prospect of success now what if but then again what if the war is necessary like that's why i don't quite understand these these like principles. principles and I guess like you can't look at them as necessary and sufficient, but you might be faced with a necessary war to protect your people, people. which you have no chance yeah, no. of winning. Well, that's what Ukraine that is. Right surrender? Now. Well, yeah, like that's the weird thing, right? Because before it started, you might've said to Ukraine, like, Hey, look, you have no chance of winning. If you resist more of your more innocent people will die. If you resist, so, so you should just you should surrender, surrender and let this be a bloodless takeover. takeover. 
I think that's what Putin was banking on, honestly. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what he hoped for. And uh, I think he underestimated, um, yeah, the resolve, the willingness to give up everything. Well, Ukrainians have been building up a resentment towards Russia for years and years now, right? So, What a crazy country. The mayor of Kiev is uh, one of the Klitschko brothers. Yeah, I know. Wasn't he? Isn't he like currently the world champion or something? No, no, no. Oh, or he's retired. Yeah, yeah, they're retired. He can't be the mayor and the heavyweight champion boxer. It almost feels like a, a case of like, uh, what do you mean he can't be the mayor and the world champion? He, it's too much. It's too much work. You got to be training all day to be the world champion. You can't be running a city. Training. He's got a Bluetooth piece in. He's making deals. Once in a while, he'll take off his glove. You know, he's got a pen, a specialized glove that lets him hold a pen so he can sign shit if he has to. Or maybe his signature is just like, he just bites he just down. The paper. He punches the Yeah. You can see he leaves a scorch mark on the page and they know that's his, that's his jab. That's um, but yeah, I think this was a case of, I think it feels like Putin expected them just to let it happen because the odds did seem so overwhelming, but uh, I don't think he factored in uh, the already built up resentment in the Ukrainian people, the mm-hmm. lack of motivation in his own uh, military. Yeah. And I don't think he uh, counted on the heavy, heavy economic sanctions and support from the Western countries. Um, you know, shipping in all these crazy anti uh, artillery weapons, these yeah. jets, these uh, bazookas, bazookas. No more McDonald's. No more McDonald's in Russia. Go to war if it meant no more McDonald's? I don't know. I don't think so. I would. I, I would go to war <laughs> to get McDonald's out of here. Uh, oh my god! That's really, uh, uh, I, uh, you know what? I want the restaurant gone. McCafe can stay. That's going to be my. Uh, you, you're telling me that. you don't. You don't you like don't just start salivating at the thought of a sausage egg McMuffin with hash browns. Look, I'm not going to lie. I get those regularly on my way to work, but I'm not happy with myself. After. <laughs> I feel like shit. I, I don't. Oh, yeah, well, you can, once a year, once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year. Uh, their bagel breakfast bagel sandwiches are decent. Anyways, what yeah. I'm trying to say is the only thing that should stay is the McCafe. Their coffee's unreal. Coffee's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Best that's crazy that they pulled out. That So did McDonald's just shut down all their branches in Russia? Shuttered him. Ronald McDonald is out. So what? what Adidas what closed their stores. What are they going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to squat on the sidewalk in? <laughs> um, we... <laughs> what? what re- like? I feel like Putin has almost no... Recourse. He's got no recourse right now. <laughs> even if he took, even if he killed yeah, Zelensky, yeah. he's not going to be able to hold Ukraine. No, no, it's it's a bad, uh, it's a bad place for for the for the pootster. The pootster. Um, <laughs> do you think that he will end up using a, a a nuke in some capacity, or do you think even he is not gonna not gonna cross that line just yet? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I I wouldn't uh, put a dirty bomb thing past him, um, but I, I highly. What is a dirty bomb? I, I was wondering that the other day. A dirty bomb releases radiation. 
without the physical destruction of a of a nuke. Oh, so it's just like there's no explosion, it's just heavy radiation. Yeah, I don't know exactly how they uh spread the radiation without the huge explosion, but it's it's basically like cuz radiation is what kills most people from a nuclear blast who aren't like right at the right in the incineration zone. Right. So, I'd rather and it be also in- like wrecks the area for could be hundreds of years if it's enough radiation like well it's just like you can't go there anymore our our um fucking uh fukushima no not fukushima nagasaki which one which one was the one that got the nuke both of them or what hiroshima was the nuclear plant that belted down right yeah it still has dangerous radiation parts of it yeah what about um the place where they actually dropped the bomb. That's a real, that there's, there's actual city there still, right? Yeah. Like those bombs were relatively small. The radiation that would come from a dirty bomb would probably be a lot worse. Than that would those. be like, a, it would a be like the bomb would be designed to like impregnate, for lack of a better word, impregnate the earth with radiation. I really, I wish you found a better word. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, anyway, so the next one is uh, proportionality. So that's the last key, the, or the second to last. The morally weighted, this is the quote from Walter, the morally weighted goods achieved by the war outweigh the morally weighted bads that it will cause. Yeah. I mean, I guess that depends on your persp- on who who's talking, right? In this case, like for Putin, it seems like, oof, not proportional to what you wanted. No. Not at all. Now he's just always done is gotten a bunch of people killed, lots of them innocent. He's fucked his own economy economy over. Uh, his own people are now going to suffer greatly for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them. No one can escape the economic sanctions, right? So, and what has he gained? Not not a whole lot. Yeah, just and he's not only has he not gained anything, he's lost well his country's economy a ton of a, a, a sizable chunk of his military and almost more. This might be more important to him than anything. His mystique of yeah. being this terrifying military power. That is the most important thing to him. I think is that that aura of like invincibility that he had is totally gone. Cause now other countries are like, well, fuck! I could probably, I could probably fight Russia. <laughs> I'll, I'll do. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was thinking today, I could probably, I, I could probably fight Russia. Yeah, I could make that jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The last one of the just add bellow, and then we can talk about uh, maybe a little bit about Justin Bellow and pacifism. And the last one is uh, last resort necessity. There's no other less harmful way to achieve your objective the just objective than war. You have no choice but to go to war. In some cases, like World War II, they didn't have much choice because Hitler Hitler started everything. Yeah. Um, other cases, like you look at Afghanistan, there's arguments on both sides. I mean, has there been a justified war that America's been involved in since World War II, in your opinion? I don't know much about the Korean War, but I know Vietnam was just a disaster. Yeah, I know maybe. that uh, Iraq was also a disaster. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think so. It's hard. The the like the closest one is Afghanistan. Like that's that's probably the closest one for America for a justified war post World War Two. Maybe the Korean Ooh. War too. Um, I don't even know. I don't know shit about the Korean War. I'm just realizing. Yeah, it, it's obscure. Was it war. North and South Korea at the time, or was it was that the war? Was the division of North and South? I think the war caused the division, but I'm not entirely sure. Wow, it's, it's a pretty obscure war. They don't really teach it very much. Well, how long? Did it last? I don't know fucking anything about the the Korean War. I think the show I Mash was about the Korean War. Uh, let me go quick. Vietnam. I have no idea. How long do you think the <laughs> Korean War lasted? Guess. I think it was five years. And how long was Vietnam? Vietnam was like seven years, I think. And then the Iraq War was twenty plus or some shit going on. Well, that's like the one thing. The war, the Iraq War itself, was over in about six months, I think. Right. It was the the occupation, Uh, and that's what you also have to factor into these things: is the proportionality of wars. That it's not just the war itself that is going to be rough; it's the whole aftermath of the war that you also have to factor in to the proportionality. All right. The Korean War was a war fought between North Korea and South Korea from 1950 to 1953. The war began on the 25th of June, 1950. So right after Second World War. Mm-hmm. But North Korea invaded South Korea following clashes along the border and rebellions in South Korea. So they were separate countries mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, so why did the U.S. join the Korean War? I think it was uh, America wanted to not just contain communism; they wanted to prevent the domino effect. Okay, well, yeah, it was yeah. to fight communism um, yeah, yeah, on a yeah, different, yeah. on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Um, anyway, it only lasted three years, so that's probably why you don't hear about it as much. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. So that's uh, that's just Ed Bellow, the six principles of a just war. There are some issues with it. Um, Maybe the most interesting is the national defense one, right? So if national defense is like uh, one of the justifications for war, then that works for anybody, even like Nazi Germany, like national defense, Russia, national defense. So yeah, it's like you can just you can make up an an excuse for national defense. It's just too vague of a term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why. like they caution that these principles, you shouldn't take them as like necessary and sufficient. So just because there's an issue of national defense doesn't mean that that by itself, by itself makes, makes the war justified. War. Uh, like for example, if you're like committing genocide against your, your own population and then other countries are like telling you to stop and you're not doing it. And then those other countries invade, you can't then claim that you're, you're, Fighting back fighting against back those against countries those is, justified is justified because it's just national defense. Right. Like beating someone up in the street in the and street then the cops the try cops and pull you off of them and you punch the cop and claim self-defense. Right. Yeah, exactly. And also it's defense. I mean, at what point do you feel like you're being attacked? Uh, like, like, is it just a slow cultural takeover you're defending against? <laughs> You know? Well, it could depend. Like, it could be a literal invasion. Like, like there could be other countries might say there's a humanitarian crisis in your country, and the only way we can stop, you know, millions of people from dying is if we invade your country. Right. So then you invade the so like 
like that's like Nazi Germany, right? Like the only way to stop it is to invade. Hitler can't say like, ah, I'm totally justified in, you know, my war against the allies because they invaded me. I'm just protecting my nation. (laughs) Really the only reason you're getting invaded is because your government is, you know, doing horrible things. It was a prank, bro. (laughs) Yeah. And now you're coming at me like it wasn't just a prank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's pretty much just war theory. We can skip Justin Bellow, um, which is just about not, you know, don't kill don't. all the civilians and stuff. Um, so pacifism. Pacifism is an interesting uh, challenge. And there's a couple different kinds of pacifism. There's, you can think of it as absolute pacifism, which is no war ever for any reason. And then there's contingent pacifism. Which is, um, here's a quote from a philosopher, Andrew Fiala, about contingent pacifism. So this, he says, contingent pacifism presumes that war is wrong, but allows for exceptions. It places the burden of proof upon the proponent of war. It is up to the proponent of war to prove, in a given circumstance, that war is in fact morally necessary. Right. Whereas, like, if pacifism is all about as much peace as possible, you can't just stand by and watch a genocide go on or something like that, right? Is that kind yeah. of the point? It is, but it's, it is the point. But it is, like, it is a very high bar to prove that something is necessary. The only way to do it is through war. Because to know if war is the only way, you probably have to try a bunch of other things first. Right. So... Pacifism sort of says, before you resort to war, you have to exhaust the playbook of non-military interventions. That seems like the main thing is sanctions, right? Like what else? Can sanctions you do? is huge. Yeah, cripple yeah. their economy. Uh, essentially, everything that they're doing in Ukraine, crippling the yeah. economy of Russia, sending in uh, supplies to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Letting your civilians go there and fight if they want, just not your military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's a it's a tough bar. So a lot of people will who are like against war, they won't go. They won't say like you have to exhaust the playbook before you invade. Sometimes it's okay to just invade if whatever is going on is bad enough. Right. So yeah, that's contingent. So, like something like the Holocaust people. would be considered bad enough, I would assume. That started happening again. Uh, yeah, and in the call, like they really tried to avert World War II. Like Neville Chamberlain was infamous for going too far to avoid war because he followed the uh, appeasement strategy, which was sort of let Hitler have what he wants because a war isn't worth it. Right. See that this many people get captured and this many people die and just that's going to be better than having a world's war worth of death. Yeah, like they all remembered World War 1, which was just like an unfathomable unfathomable human tragedy. Right. And they were willing to do pretty much anything to avoid that again. And they couldn't <laughs> Right, Hitler probably knew that too. I mean, I'm sure yeah. he knew that that people wanted to avoid it at all costs. 
yeah, that was the that was the main difference was that he wanted it really bad and nobody else, everyone else didn't. Who was leading Germany in World War One? Uh, the Kaiser, Kaiser Wilhelm. Kaiser Wilhelm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a villain. Kaiser taken from Caesar from Latin. Same with czar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> when was the last czar? Uh, I think I think his name was Nicholas, and he was wiped out in the uh, communist revolution, nineteen seventeen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun times. Yeah, fun times. That's when the Great. that's when the party that's started the party for uh, for, uh, for Russia in nineteen seventeen. They gave up. I think they gave up like a lot of territory that is now considered part of Ukraine. Whoops. Oopsie, well, Lenin. Take backsies. Nope. <laughs> did anyone say that at the time? Because if they did, maybe this would all be avoided if someone said no take sure, backsies. Yeah, the Germans wrote that into the contract. Yeah, like, yeah we got to no look take at the boxes. No takes backsies. Yeah. 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 All, right. all right. So, so like, let's wrap it up with absolute pacifism. So this is the view that war is never justified under any circumstances. Not even World War II was justified and it's really hard to find like a uh, a convincing defense of absolute pacifism that doesn't involve some sort of metaphysical or religious justification yeah i mean practically it doesn't seem like it'll ever be useful you know like unless people all get brainwashed into being peaceful beings there's always going to be an instance where you got to stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the only, yeah, exactly. The only justifications that make sense, like not like make sense, but like they're like, they have good, if you accept the premises, then it works are like religious ones. Like for example, Buddhism, where we are in like a cycle of we're in the karmic cycle. And the only way to, escape the cycle the cycle of endless rebirth and death and suffering is through not causing, not suffering. causing suffering right um the problem and in that, that case is- it make okay sorry go ahead no no go ahead yeah so in that case it makes sense because when you die you that's not the end of you you get reborn, you get again. reborn again and the only, and so when you die in a war, for example, that's not like the end of your life because you're going to be reborn. You're going to be reincarnated. And the only way to eventually make war stop completely is for everyone to, you know, stop causing suffering and break out of the cycle. Here's my question with uh, reincarnation: like every cycle, you're supposed to be like gaining more understanding about the universe. Is that kind of a, a, the deal there? You're supposed to be, but. You don't How are you supposed to know what you learned last life if you forget it all? How many lives have I lived? Uh, I don't know. I don't think you, unless you're like the Buddha, you get to know that. Because I feel like if I've lived a bunch of lives and I still don't have my shit together, maybe they should let me remember more of my past lives because <laughs> I feel like I could, you know, if you're going to learn a lesson, you got to remember the goddamn lesson, right? Yeah. And if you don't remember, it's not like I'm bringing in a new piece of information into this life. I still had to start from scratch. There's, it's just a random chance that I don't fuck it up. 
basically like you get the chance in this life to learn a lesson. If you do learn a lesson in this life, this life and you manage to not cause a lot of suffering, then you will be reincarnated a little bit better and it'll be a little bit easier for you next time, hopefully. And then what's the end game of that? Do we have to wait for everybody to get enlightened? Because that's going to take forever. No, that, that's impossible. That'll never happen. I don't think, like, I don't think anyone thinks, thinks I don't think Buddhists think, think that everyone will reach Nirvana. I don't think, I don't think they think that. What is Nirvana in their, in their, we haven't talked about Buddhism. On yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah, we did a whole episode comparing Buddhism and Christianity. All right. Well, there it goes. There, there you go. That's why I'm never going to, there's not enough reincarnations ever for me to learn my shit. You can't shit. even remember your own life. I can't <laughs> keep track of my one incarnation, let alone the rest. Of it. Uh, but what, what is Nirvana? And, and is it like a place? Is it a state of being? Is it a mindset? Is the it absence just a, of suffering? I think. And is that yeah. live beyond the physical realm or is that just, you just keep being reincarnated in Nirvana. I don't know like the metaphysics of it, like how it actually works in that sense, but it basically when you achieve Nirvana, you don't, you don't really desire anything. Like you're not hungry. Um, you just have kind of like an effortless mastery over yourself and your desires, and your, desires. your five skandhas. Well, you know what make me feel like I was uh, I have achieved Nirvana is if we got a fucking email. That would be really <laughs> that would make me feel at peace and in harmony with my surroundings. So, if any of you want to help me achieve that next level of being, uh, the email is tpspodcast420 at gmail dot com. And uh, I just want to thank all of you for tuning in this week. Uh, Sam, do you have anything else to add? Uh. No, I'm still playing Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Get it. Yeah, download it. I almost downloaded it and I saw that it was 80 bucks. And I recalled <laughs> all the instances of me downloading a game that was $80 and me playing one hour of it and then never picking it up again. But don't let that stop you guys. Get Elden Ring. And while you're playing it, pop in those earbuds and listen to TPS podcast. Thank you. Goodbye.